listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 84 of the Testudo Times Podcast, a now national championship winning podcast, a double national championship winning podcast. Isn't that a fun thing to say, Thomas? Oh, of course. It's an amazing thing to say. And after last year when we should have said it and didn't, uh, saying, saying double national championship winning anything is great. It doesn't really matter what the sports are. It's gloating material. Isn't uh, it? Of course. I mean, I am, I am a double national championship winning uh, drinker of Gatorade. You know, just, just anything I do is now attached to Maryland sports being good. Yes, of course. And as somebody pointed out in our, our Slack chat, our good friend Noah, finally we have beat writers that have covered a national championship that weren't him. You know, it, it feels good that we can finally use some of those national championship posts in our drafts that we've been having sitting there for like six years. We've been waiting a while to use them. And somebody who got we a had chance to change the names. I mean, yeah, you had to change the names, but the basic story is still being used properly. I mean, hey, we, we save these posts in our drafts because we know Maryland sports are good at just about everything. So that's always fun. And the person who covered Maryland men's lacrosse and the women's, I think, both. Alex, did you cover both of them? No, I just covered men's. Uh, our other writer, Daniel Chafkin, covered women's. Um, I, but I was up flat, so. Yeah, I mean, they're in the same stadium, so you never know. Unlike last year when yeah, we weren't in the same stadium. Yeah, it's helping out like... I was kind of helping out with, like, social media stuff for the women's. Uh, I was on the field, which is, you know, awesome. I mean, yeah, that's more, that's, that's more fun than the press box. I could tell you that the field would have been a lot more fun at the link last year than it was in the press box, even though I was calling the game. I shouldn't be mentioning last year because that's well in the past now. Alex Littlehales, you know him because he covers lacrosse for us, among many other things. And this is his podcast debut. And what a way to welcome you to the show by talking about something that hasn't happened in 42 years. So uh, wax lyrical about it. Well, this is... um. I mean, this is just fantastic, especially from a point of covering it. Um, last year, I remember uh, Maryland was up, I think, three goals with, I think, four minutes left over North Carolina. And I practically had my article written out. You know, it was like Maryland finally ends the 41-year drought. And then North Carolina, they just goal by goal. I start deleting and deleting a headline. And, you know, by the time it gets to overtime, I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, Tar Heels are actually probably going to pull this one out because, you know, Maryland sports doing Maryland sports things. But... Um, this is this is just a fantastic game um, from a lacrosse perspective, having two teams in the Big Ten going at each other in the national championship. Uh, the Big Ten, I think, has overtaken the ACC in terms of uh, the predominant lacrosse conference in the country. And a little different narrative to this game. Uh, last year, you know, Maryland, the top overall seed, they were supposed to, you know, just kind of walk over North Carolina, who was a dangerous but still unseeded team at the time. And you know, this year, way different. I mean, Ohio State, the number three seed. I don't think anyone at the beginning of the lacrosse season thought that Ohio State would not only be playing in the national championship, but uh, but the number three overall seed in the tournament. So this is a game that, you know, people expected Maryland to win, but it wasn't going to be a cakewalk like, like most people thought last year would be. And uh, it ended up being just that. It was a tough physical game. Uh, it wasn't an offensive showcase by any means. But uh, as I wrote about in an article that went out yesterday, Maryland won based on what it's been doing for just years. You know, they, they pride themselves on defense and that's exactly what shined uh, in a game that ha was a lot more physical and uh, didn't allow a lot more 
um, you know, offensive flashes by guys like Matt Rambo. So uh, it seems fitting that when Maryland ends its 42-year championship drought, it's, you know, off the heels of, you know, the component of their game that's allowed them to be so great through so many years. So, uh, you know, hats off to guys like Tim Muller and and Bryce Young and Curtis Corley. Uh, They don't get the recognition that the goal scorers like Matt Rambo and Connor Kelly will get, but uh, they were, you know, every bit as instrumental to this championship as, as everyone. Answer me this, because after covering them last year, the bits that I did, and especially after they lost to North Carolina, I had this weird feeling in my head that when you get to that kind of game, you get to that big game, and you have all of this bad history in your head, not just your own history, but history well into the past, seeing a team that you see all the time or have seen in these big games before probably doesn't help. Did it help that Ohio State had never been to this point before? Maybe that got Maryland some of the bad juju out of their head because when you see Denver a couple of years ago, Denver had been there before, and some of the teams that right. they had faced on championship weekends past. You know, did it help that now that it was just a team that they had already played twice in the regular season, but a team that had never gotten this far? Did it help that in in a way? Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, I mean, when when you do the eye test for Ohio State, they're certainly not a team that looks like it's playing in its first national championship. I mean, they even went up 2-1 in the in the first quarter. Like, they came to play. They they weren't blinded by the, the spotlights of Gillette Stadium. And, and you could tell throughout the tournament that they were just – they were, like, the second-best team in the country next to Maryland. And they weren't letting this – you know, they weren't, like, catching lightning in a bottle necessarily just because they hadn't been there. But, you know, they were ready. I mean, they have a great roster. Trey LeClaire, Tom Carey, just a whole roster of just – talented guys that uh, Nick Myers has slowly built up over there. But when you um, you talk about how Ohio State's um, met them uh, twice this year, uh, I asked I asked John Tillman, and so did a lot of other reporters uh, throughout the weekend, if, you know, if it's advantageous for, for both teams to really play each other in its third time. And, you know, you got to remember that, like, anything that's advantageous – for Maryland in terms of seeing them is also advantageous for Ohio State. So uh, it's not really uh, an advantage for Maryland seeing them a third time because, yes, you see the same guys and you see the same tendencies, but so does Ohio State via Maryland. Uh, I think the only thing that really mattered was both teams had the opportunity to play uh, on a short turnaround because both these teams played in the Big Ten Championship. If you remember, uh, Maryland won the Big Ten Tournament title in Columbus uh, after playing Penn State uh, just a day before, right? So uh, I think the biggest like advantage for both teams is that they were in a scenario earlier in the year where they not only played a title-type game on short turnaround, but they played each other on, on a short turnaround. So and it's the exact scenario from Big Ten Championship to the National Championship. Really seeing each other twice didn't really make a difference. I mean, you could tell when... Both of them played each other in the regular season. Ohio State beat them in overtime. Maryland beat them by one in the closing minutes. Uh, you can you could almost sort of tell that these are the two best teams in the country, and that when they were put on opposite sides of the bracket, it was kind of like uh, I think I think maybe the the selection committee possibly did that for a reason. Um, and selection so, committees in NCAA sports do everything for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is it is true, Thomas. What were you thinking as you're watching this game? I turned it off like halfway through it because of bad memories from last year and just that I thought that because I'm superstitious that if I kept watching, they'd screw up because it's Maryland and this is what happens to Maryland sports. 
And then by the end of it, it, when it felt like they were going to win, well, it took a while because Ohio State got a couple of goals back, and then Dan Morris made a big save, and then Maryland, it felt like it was good, they were going to win. But it took a while. It wasn't easy to get there, as it never is with Maryland, but it feels so good. For this sport that Maryland has dominated for so many years but hasn't won a national championship, which is somewhat inexplicable, and they finally got the monkey off their back, and it just felt like a relief for everybody around the program just looking at the celebrations. There's a lot of joy, but it mostly felt like relief that, God, this streak is over. Yeah, I mean, the the Maryland drought is one of the weirder droughts, I think, kind of in sports, because in 42 years, they got to the Final Four 20 times, and they got to the title game. This was their 10th time. So it's not like they were bad for 42 years. I mean, this is such a – it's been a really good program for a really long time. And it you could argue it's been the so program often. of college lacrosse despite not winning any national championships. I mean, it's probably been among the most consistent for sure. I mean, there's there's still the Hopkins and the Syracuses of the world. But, but yeah, I mean, Maryland, any conversation about college lacrosse includes them. And so it, it was kind of weird that they hadn't won it for this long because they had been solid for a long, long time and, you know, had their chances and just couldn't get it done. But it's not like they were – a lot of times they kind of – snuck into the title game with you know kind of an under you know kind of not as not a number one team for sure they were only i think number one a handful of times in that stretch so a couple of this years was, ago i think 2015 was one where they kind of definitely snuck in and they got blown out by denver that wasn't yeah. the case last year but i think a couple of years ago that certainly was when they beat hopkins in that crazy game in the semifinal or something to that effect yeah Matt, um you know 2015 they were the number six seed uh, and they were playing Denver, who was the number four seed, who had just upset Notre Dame. So definitely not the, you know, the two best teams in the tournament going at it. Kind of like definitely two underdogs going at it. Uh, I don't think Maryland played Denver that year either. So it's not like they had really experienced uh, the kind of offense that Denver had. But yeah, to Thomas's credit, they've been good over the last couple of years. I mean, no one can attest to that, but they just haven't been just the cards haven't fallen their way. And this year it did. Finally. Yeah, and a lot of those yeah title game runs were more like the 2015 one than they were like 2016 this year, where they they weren't necessarily the best team. But any time you lose nine straight games with a chance to win, you know, a title is just inexplicable and is not obviously not that there's something to it because that's not even a coin flip. That's not statistically probable. Just in general. So I was about to say, like, um, if you consider championship games coin flip games, which they essentially are, and they're one-offs, these aren't championship series, coin flips, you win them 50% of the time. And to lose them nine straight, very big statistical outlier. Yes. This yeah. has been math with journalists. Yes. Um, we're not very good at it. This is why we are journalists. It didn't go in any other field where we were required to do math. I'm a stats instance. minor. I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, anyway, the stats the, class we had to take in college, but that's that's not that's not anything that you need to hear about. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So watching this game and knowing they had all of that, you know that that little run that Ohio State went on in the fourth quarter, you know, is is just they had to make it a little interesting, and you know it, it was, I think it was Rambo scored to put him up eight three and. You thought if I thought if they won this game they were going to cruise to it, but of course you know they opened up a big lead. They don't 
they don't cruise. That's not that's not the Maryland way. They don't cruise. But you know that that Rotan's goal, final minute on an empty net. That's when I told Little Hills, okay, let's get the story done. Let's go. And when, uh, I thought it was when Morris made that save when it was eight six. When it was when he made that save, I said, okay, this is game's over now. Well, there was but a point, that, Morris. But before that, I was thinking, uh, oh boy, don't do this again. Morris made a save at eight five, and I think I tweeted out like. Dan Morris is our savior. And then they let up a goal. And I, I was just kind of praying that that tweet wouldn't get any blowback. And then he made another save. And so I was able to be like, it hey, guys. It was the second and save. It was the just second save. It. That was the one. But Yeah, that plus Rotans was. Yeah. You know what was what was interesting? We're talking about Dan Morris. Um, so I'm looking at the transcript of the NCAA postgame press conference. And, you know, Morris, Morris is, a, is an interesting character because – this is his first year coming off the bench after Maryland's had guys like Nico Amato and Kyle Burnlor. So, and and Dan Morris isn't you know the highest pedigree of goalies that that the country has seen, but he certainly did his job this year and it helped them win a national title. And so he had 11 saves in the game, right? And arguably, and I think pretty much you could say it's his best performance of the year. But I looked at the transcript of the post game press conference and nobody asked Tillman about the day that Morris had, which I thought was so strange because Morris, here's a guy that comes in. He has a lot of expectations um, in terms of the position for a Maryland goalie and he meets them. He exceeds them and, and he helps them win their first national title in 42 years. And a lot of that is because of his goal-making ability in the cage. He was erratic at times. Sure. But I mean, he made some big time saves in, in some important games for Maryland. But when it came time to the press conference, Every reporter missed the opportunity to ask Tillman about Morris's day and, and you know, his journey as, you know, a, a freshman backup to the starting goalie on the championship team. And and since he he's graduating early, from what I understand, so he's a one and done kind of guy. He's he's here for a year, wins them the championship and graduating early, so he won't be coming back next year. So I thought that was just interesting while we're on the, the topic of Dan Morris. Does that well, mean his eligibility left? Okay. If he still has eligibility left, he could return. I don't know if he would. See, see, that's what I'm not sure about because they they graduated his name in the senior ceremony earlier in yeah, the they year. Did that with, they did that with Rotans, too. I think there are a couple yeah. of fourth juniors that have eligibility left. We'll, we'll figure out, obviously. I would be surprised if any of those guys left their, you know, left this team. I was right. about to say, Alex, before Thomas said something, you were at the press conference. Does that mean you didn't also ask uh, John Tillman about Dan Morris? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, you, you know, threw yourself under the bus there. I was kind of, I was, you know, I was, I was periscoping for the uh, the sake of for the social media bits, you know. But uh, uh, that's a likely excuse. You were, but yeah. I just had to, I had to mention that. But that wasn't the first national championship of the weekend, Thomas, because the women's team won on Sunday and beat Boston College and completed their first undefeated season since 2001. Now, their loss last year to UNC was, in some ways, almost as inexplicable as the guys lost to UNC. And then they came back this year and basically dump-trucked everybody because Maryland women's lacrosse is even a more dominant program than the men's program is. So they had the unfinished business sentiment from last year, too. And unlike the men, who had to play probably the second-best team in the country— all the other teams in the women's tournament basically did that work for Maryland, so they were playing an unseeded BC team, who were at home, let's be honest, but then Maryland was a better team. They had already beaten them during the regular season, and they 
were pretty dominant throughout that game, and then they won another national championship, which is their 13th. So that's another good thing that happened this weekend. Well, it wasn't it wasn't dominant. I mean, BC is is such an interesting team because their best player and actually the most outstanding player of the Final Four is this girl Kenzie Kent, who joined the team halfway through the season because she was playing hockey. And she, which is a very she, Boston College thing to do, might I add? Yes, it's. I mean, it's it's potentially the most incredible. Like, I think she had the best like school year any athlete had, really, without winning a title. Has to be because she played. She's. I think she started, or at least she played, and was an impact player on the Frozen Four team, uh, Boston College women's hockey, and then joins halfway through the season, averages five points a game which no one does, and then scores 10 goals in the Final Four, including 10 points in the title game. Um, so she made a difference for BC, and as a result, Maryland never really dominated Boston College, except for a brief point in the second half when BC switched goalies, because they've been doing a goalie platoon all year, but one goalie had you know really, really good performance in the first half. They stuck to the platoon, and... It, it really put him in a hole that, yeah, the, the backup goalie or the, the second goalie, it's, she, she's not even really a backup. The second goalie allowed five goals and five shots in five minutes. And the other one came in, still solid. BC almost came back from that. Couldn't quite. That was, that was enough for Maryland. It definitely was, and they have now won. It was the 13th time they've won the national championship. The other program that has this most, second most is Northwestern with six. So in terms of dominant programs, there's a dominant program. And uh, Kathy Reese is also, I think, one of the most interesting coaches that Maryland has because her comments are always amazing. Thomas, what was one of the ones that she made that you always like to mention on the podcast? Yeah, it's a great day to be a Terp. Yes, but that. I, haven't, I actually didn't see it in the, uh, in the transcript. That's amazing. Because uh-huh. I, yeah. I remember that's the – she's very vocal. She's a very, very amazing coach to listen to. And that's something that she mentions often. Even I kind of remember that. So, amazing that she didn't mention that in the transcript, but hey, what it might you, be what in there. I'll have to look for it. Eh, you, you don't need to. She probably said it anyway right after the game. Who knows? She inevitably said it, but she was also on the 2001 unbeaten team, wasn't she? I think she graduated before that, but she, I think she graduated late 90s, but still won four titles as a player. Chosen this program's strength. Yeah, and then three more as an assistant coach, and now four as a head coach, I think. Something something insane. Let's just say that that program is insanely dominant and that they, after last year, when they were unbeaten until the title game, needed to kind of win one to get their uh, the feeling back and to finish that unfinished business, and that's exactly what they did. So congratulations to them. And Maryland now has two more national championships to add to its trophy case, which is mainly lacrosse-based, but hey, being based on any sport's a good thing. And they've now won three national championships since joining the Big Ten, in addition to, what, at least double-digit Big Ten titles in sports, which, hey, Big Ten is really good now thanks to Maryland being in there in lacrosse in both ends, which, hey, could anybody have ever said, Alex, would you have ever thought that the Big Ten would have ever been as good at lacrosse at both sides as it has been now, I guess, now that Maryland's in it? Well, I mean, I think a lot of of, uh, fans are starting to see that the ACC is no longer the, the best lacrosse division or conference in the country. And it's kind of startling to people because for years, I mean, it's been 
I mean, and granted, the ACC is still dominant. Teams like Notre Dame, Virginia, Duke, North Carolina. I mean, it's the the blue bloods of the lacrosse world. But it's kind of a new – the Big Ten is a new wave of lacrosse, right? I mean, all of a sudden, guys like Nick Myers at Ohio State and and John Paul at Michigan and um, Jeff Tambroni at Penn State, they're recruiting extremely well over the last couple of years. And so uh, it's taken a, a couple of years for uh, their efforts to come to fruition in terms of tangible results – on the field, you know, Penn State um, this year made the tournament after missing it for the last couple of years. Rutgers um, was number one at some point for some inexplicable yeah. reason. Yeah. How, the how many? How happen? many times can you say? Yeah, how many times can you say Rutgers is really number one at anything? And on and they didn't make the NCAA tournament, but they were viewed as the team that got snubbed from from a slot by the selection committee because you have a team like the Air Force, which didn't really have any top one hundred, any top fifty. Uh, wins and it's in its belt yet they snubbed Rutgers who had you know beat Ohio State actually and you know went toe-to-toe with Maryland in a triple overtime thriller so so one through six Big Ten is just you can't look at a team in the Big Ten and say that from a lacrosse perspective they're not they're not on their way to becoming something special because even Michigan didn't win a single conference game but by all means still finished with an over 500 record and you know, they only became a Division One program less than, I think, six years ago. I think in 2010, they were a, a club team. And now you look at them and they're finishing with an over 500 record in the Big Ten and what many people consider the best conference in the cross. So it, it's an interesting time. There's definitely a paradigm shift in the lacrosse world. But I mean, as Maryland fans, we're kind of reaping the benefits of it. It certainly helps as a conference to have the arguably the two programs of record in the sport, which is Johns Hopkins and Maryland in your league and the ability to play against them. So a good time for Maryland lacrosse, and hopefully there are no more 42-year droughts for Maryland's next national championship. Uh, we can only hope, but it's Maryland, so stranger things have happened. There is another sport that's still going on. Thomas, baseball made the NCAA tournament. They lost their first game in the Big Ten tournament. Then I believe it's they won three in a row and then lost to Northwestern in that second game to go to the Big Ten title game. They played pretty well enough to get into the tournament. They are a three seed in Wake Forest's region, I believe is what it is. I don't yep. I know Delaware's in that region. I think UNBC's nope. the other team. It is Wake Forest, West Virginia, who oh, Maryland Forest, beat earlier this year. Um, and then Maryland and then UMBC. Okay, I thought it was Delaware. So they have the same colors. As far as a draw goes, I mean, this is possible for Maryland, who has three pretty good starters. And you can, if they get good performances from all of them, they can, they can make it out of here. I mean, Wake Forest is obviously good. West Virginia put a real scare into Maryland for a while. UMBC is kind of an up-and-comer. So it's going to be an interesting region. I mean, this, this time of the college baseball season is, is really where all hell breaks loose. Because baseball is just, it's, it's not a sport where the best team always wins. It's whoever plays best that day and, you know, best that weekend. Like, the Big Ten tournament is one. There's 13 teams in the conference because Wisconsin doesn't have a baseball team in the conference. Um, eight made the tournament for double elimination. And really, it was it was the five and the seven for the title. So, and Maryland you know, just, was four and almost made it. Yeah. So, that means one, two, and three were all out and it wasn't even that big of a surprise it was just there's there's a natural parody in baseball that suggests that maryland can make a run in this tournament 
So we will we will see what happens there. Well, they did last year. I believe it was they got out of the region with UCLA in it. And uh, yeah, two years ago, they UCLA was the number one overall seed, and Maryland made it out of that region. They made it out of I don't remember what region it was three years ago, but they also made it to super regionals, and they missed the tournament last year. Yeah, but, they made it to super regionals a couple of times. And they were really close against Virginia in 2015 and almost beat them to get to their first ever College World Series and just couldn't do it. Uh, this and then UVA won the title that year. Yeah, so. I, I, I do remember that. And they were, they were supposed to be pretty good this year. They had their ups and downs, but they showed you why they were good by winning those three games with their backs against the wall in the Big Ten tournament and in order to get to this weekend. And as you said, when you have three starters and it's double elimination and you can just basically throw those three starters in a cycle – considering how the regionals end up working. Uh, Maryland could end up, yeah, as you're right, as you say, they could get out of this this place, even though, again, it's hard to beat the host team all the time. And, but Maryland has done it before, so you wouldn't be surprised if they did do it. And that would be cool again, because, I mean, this program up until 2014 was moribund, completely poor in almost every way, and now it's really good. So you have to give credit to John Sheff for what he has done in taking a program that was nothing and making it absolutely something. For sure. That's another example of it this year. Alex, would you like to say something about baseball? Yeah. Um, well, I actually worked for uh, – I did a couple game broadcasts for uh, Maryland Baseball Network, and I was actually on call for the the previous matchup between Maryland and West Virginia, which is funny that they drew them – that they got that draw in the uh, in the regionals. But I, I'm pretty familiar with the Maryland team, uh, having you know done a couple of game broadcasts, done some some, some stories for them. Um, they're they're an interesting team. I mean, they were, I mean, by most charts, they were one of the first four teams out. I think D1 Baseball and Baseball America, when they came out with their uh, field prediction, you know, Maryland was a consensus team that would just miss the tournament, and so you know now that they have their opportunity to make something, and Maryland is. Against West Virginia, I remember calling that game, and West Virginia plays in the SEC, the toughest baseball conference in the country, uh, arguably. And I think WVU had a, an RPI of 12, I think. And so when they got that win, I think it was a 7-6 win uh, at home against WVU in a midweek matchup. Um, they were they were just dominant. I mean, their their main their main problem has been midweek pitching this year, but. Because you're going with guys like Schaefer, Bloom, and Blome uh, constantly, you don't really run into that problem. So now Maryland can just utilize its starters to its fullest potential and have those midweek guys uh, relegated to more of like a, a bullpen and, and relief effort. And so I think when you look at the entirety of the the pitching, like the the pitching staff, it's very good, and I think it's very underrated. And I think on any given day. Um, I'd be interested to see how uh, the freshman Tyler Blom does because he's been inconsistent at times, but lately he's picked up his, his stuff. But on any given day, Schaefer, Blom, and Bloom, they're, you know, they can surprise you. And I think Maryland does have the tools. They have enough hitting, and they have excellent pitching, and they can certainly make it out of this regionals. That would be fun. And I believe those games are what, Thursday, Friday, something like that? I don't know when their first game it's is Friday. exactly. It's Friday. Thank you. So... Have fun with that, and we will, of course, be covering it very extensively on the site. We have a good group of writers to do that, and we'll keep you up to date on what goes on down in Winston-Salem as Maryland plays another old friend in the ACC, which doesn't seem to happen enough in other sports. Anything else to mention? I guess there 
isn't much going on at this moment. This is a Wednesday afternoon that we're recording this. You're going to find out the times for Maryland's first two football games in the fall. We also heard that the basketball team's going to be playing in that weird Florida Niceville tournament, which is St. Bonaventure, in case anybody cares about a tournament that's going over Thanksgiving weekend. I can't think if there's anything else that's going on. Oh, there is something going on with the site. As you now know, we knew this a while back on the is now one of your three main editors, right? Yeah. So yeah, now, I, just, what do I have to call you now that you're running the site? His um, boss. I think boss. someone... Say it. You're well, his no, boss. You see, see, I called Alex my boss, and I didn't call Ryan that, so... Well, uh, I would prefer I to be referred to as your new schmuck overlord. Because uh, there was this, there's this one dude on Twitter. There's this one dude on Twitter who was like, which schmuck should I follow now? And I was like, it, you know, hello, I'm your new schmuck overlord. And That's so an I, I just want to, I just, I just want that, everyone to call me that now. I just hope that, uh, I hope that that doesn't mean that we get an explicit rating on iTunes for this show now, because you just said that word three times. Oh, darn. Good, good Not suitable. There. Good work there, Thomas. I, I like the self-censorship, but, uh, yes. So Thomas, uh, is one of your three new editors, Ryan and Matt will be around. I would say for podcasts here and there, they might write something every now and again from time to time to keep you informed on what's going on in the world of Maryland sports, but you'll still see them. They'll both be doing Maryland-related things at times, but uh, they are graduating from Testudo Times, as I put it on Twitter, as people seem to do, except for me, because I'm still unemployed. Hooray! But I like doing this podcast, so it is, it is something that I don't mind doing at all at any point. So, Thomas, you've got two years running this site, so good luck. I hope you Thank enjoy you. the Towson football games and the very random basketball games that Maryland plays against D3 teams for some reason in the middle of November. Yeah, well, it should be worth it because I also then get to cover the Ohio States and Michigans. And you occasionally do, and potentially you're going to go to Texas. Are you we'll go to see Texas? what happens. I could, but I think school's back in. Who cares? It's Labor Day weekend. I'll figure it out. You should definitely try to do that. I, I don't know. Anyway. It was good, Alex, to have you on for the first time. You'll be on this show many times in the future. I hope you enjoyed this uh, first foray into podcasting. I don't think you'll ever be able to top it because you talked about a national championship winning team. Hey, you know, you know, you never know. Maryland, Maryland football is on the up and coming. We could be talking about them as national champions in a oh, couple of months. Oh, in what universe is that possible? I'd love to live hey. in that universe, but in what universe is that possible? Endless universes, endless possibilities. You never know. I mean, there are endless universes, let's be honest. There are endless Big Bangs going on right now at this very moment, but I'd like to live in the universe where Maryland football can win a national championship. That would be a great universe to live in. And Thomas, well, you've been on this show for almost like two years now at this point, so you're used to this, but talking about national championships makes for a much more fun podcast than the usual fare we end up talking about. Oh, for sure. I mean, everyone's just just happy, and we get to write fun stuff, and... I mean, Good as time. opposed to writing things about the angry Maryland quarterback hating God, writing about national championships seems so, so, so amazing in the, in the interim. Oh, well. Yep. Uh, as we go through the coming months of the summer, it becomes a much lighter time when it comes to Maryland sports things. So the podcast will come and go from time to time. We'll maybe try to get some guests on, some friends who went to Maryland to talk about Maryland sports, their time as we get through June and July. And then by middle of August, they'll be talking about football camp and whatnot. So we'll get back to that soon. But we'll try to make sure we don't go away for too long like we had done in the past month. But until then, please enjoy celebrating national championship winning teams. It doesn't matter what sports it's in. 
Winning national championships is good no matter what. But remember, of course, go Terps.